punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I am Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined as always and once again by Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell and Mike Cole. Guys, what's happening? What's happening? I'm feeling Season very holly jolly today. Yeah. Great. Navidad. Great vibes. I guess there is more than just Christmas this time of year. So whatever you choose to celebrate, that you have a wonderful holiday. But that's not here what we're here to talk about. <laughs> we're here to talk about the fact that pretty much everyone on the Boston Bruins is sick. Uh, so it is, what's today? Tuesday. So all this stuff is probably going to change by the time you listen to this, even if you're listening to it Tuesday night. So we'll uh, add the preface. It's 3.07 p.m. So anything after this, just take with a grain of salt. But the Bruins have 10 players in the COVID protocols and two staffers. Uh, it started last week with Craig Smith, and they've basically had positive tests pop up every now and again up until today, Tuesday, with Brandon Carlo ending up in the protocols. They were understandably shut down. Uh, as are pretty much every other team following tonight. Uh, NHL sort of putting a pause on things through Christmas. As of now, the Bruins are scheduled to resume practicing on December 26th, which would be Sunday, and then play the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 27th. Uh, Who knows if that's actually going to happen. Their next game after that on the 29th is against the Senators in Ottawa. Uh, That could also present some complications because going across the border right now is not the easiest thing to do. Uh, So a bit of a chaotic week for the Bruins. They ended up playing two games. Um, They lost to the Vegas Golden Knights, and they also lost to the New York Islanders. The Islanders game, they probably had no business playing, uh, but eventually just got to a point where they were fighting through it and they decided to play it. But around the league, the product was just getting bad. I mean, you had... AHL guys all over the place. Uh, not to say that they didn't deserve opportunities, but it just it wasn't the great, greatest product. So I guess the question would be, was the NHL wise to uh, sort of put a pause on things for the rest of this week? They had kind of a built-in break anyway around Christmas, but were they wise to put an actual pause on things and say, all right, we're going to reconvene out over the weekend? I mean, I guess so, because then they'll be stuck kind of doing what the NBA is doing and signing all these minor league players and yep. kind of, decimating the the minor league teams and now it's just like a domino effect so I guess it was the smartest thing to do with all the cases and maybe hopefully keeping the ones who are not have not tested positive keep them not testing positive for as long as possible it's not gonna make a difference unless they make a change like the NFL did yeah um they this week they introduced stricter protocols more testing like you can make fun of the NFL. You can make fun of people who say this, but the only way to get rid of positive tests is to test less. Um, <clears throat> and I think we're starting to see the way we look at the virus and this variant of the virus evolve where uh, part of it is, you know, if you're vaccinated and you don't have symptoms, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a green light in some spots or, you know, some people have made the argument and we're not here to necessarily have that argument, but I do think that that's the sort of option that should be on the table for the NHL in any professional sports league because, A, you're dealing with, uh, you know, the majority of all of these leagues, especially the NHL, are fully vaccinated, and a lot of them are boosted already, too. They're well-kept, in-shape young men who are 
you know, most of Don Sweeney said earlier, and I think Cassie might have reiterated it today, not a ton of symptoms for the Bruins. Um, that's the kind of change I think you're going to have to make if you want to keep playing hockey games because if you're going strictly off of positive tests and things like that, a pause does you no good until February. I mean, that's something that, you know, I was reading earlier, uh, you know, or maybe Fauci said or something where it's going to be, the numbers are going to shoot up. They're going to be sky high. If this is assuming this is all Omicron, Omicron, the big O, um, <laughs> if this is all that, these numbers are going to continue to shoot up. And then like, we're going to crest around February and then it's going to be a sharp decline. It's kind of following the path that we've seen in South Africa. So you're going to deal with this through February. If you don't change anything, because and it's probably going to get worse because they're going to go home. You can't go to work. The, the, these league uh, the, the facilities are closed. Right. So what are you going to do? What are these 25 year old kids going to do over Christmas break? It's basically college kids on Christmas break. So they're Ride either a Peloton maybe. I, yeah, at, <laughs> at best, they're going to welcome in their families from wherever and spend time with them, probably in close settings, probably not following the strictest protocols, or they're going to be going out and doing stuff. What do you think when they're going to, what's going to happen when they come back on yeah. the 27th or whatever, when oh, yeah. they start testing again? You think the numbers are going to go down? So, Well, here's what's going to happen is they, there will probably be a lull that week between Christmas and New Year's Eve, and then... Once the incubation period starts passing, you're going to think, okay, they're good to go. And then they're going to spike again. So, I mean, it's again, this is a reckoning that a lot of the country and the world is kind of having right now. It's what is your comfort level with the virus? What is your comfort level with the results of tests? What do we know about this variant and how it'll affect us if you test positive? And this is stuff that, you know, people get paid a lot of money to make these decisions. And I just, you know, if it's if it's status quo for the NHL, I just think we're in the same spot once they come back. Yeah, it, it all depends on two things, I think, risk tolerance and optics. And I think that the NFL has made its peace with the fact that it's like, you know what, there will probably be guys playing that have tested positive and that might not look good, but if there's not a high risk of transmission, then we're just going to do it. Uh, I think the NHL, which tends to be a more image focused league or care about those types of things more than the NFL does, uh, which the NFL has, you know, double, triple, quadruple, probably far more money than the NHL does. uh, So they can afford to take those kinds of risks. You know, the NHL is going to have to figure out if they're okay with the potential bad look of having COVID positive players playing because they feel totally fine. And then you know, this isn't the type of thing that's going to be a, a sweeping decision by the NHL. Like, you can bet that during this pause, they're going to be talking with the players union about what the options are uh, around this because there might be guys who aren't comfortable playing alongside COVID positive players or playing when they're COVID positive. Yeah. Uh, so you have to figure out sort of, you know, what the protocols and policies would be around that. So, you know, whether or not you agree with the decision to play when there are confirmed positive tests, this is a conversation that's happening or has happened in many different leagues. And you can bet that it's happening in the NHL right now uh, because the the path that they're on is not the most sustainable right now. And so that kind of leads us into, it looks like they're not going to the Olympics. Uh, that's been all but confirmed. There's an expectation that there will be some sort of announcement either today or later this week, uh, once the once the NHL, I guess, basically talks to the IOC. And 
now you're looking at three week break in February. Now, a lot of places understandably book their arenas full uh, for those dates because they figure, well, there aren't going to be any NHL games. And so the idea of just, well, we put a pause on things. We'll make all these games up in that break in February. Well, it's not entirely that simple. And now you're looking at a situation where I think the Bruins have, what is it, like 52 games, something like that, over the course, or 56 games. 57 in 109 days or that, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's something like that, where they're basically on a pace of nonstop every other day. Um, and so it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a ragtag operation to get to the finish. And I guess we'll start with, is it the right call not to send players to the Olympics? I mean, I still think it should be their decision. I understand the concern, and especially I know like Patrice Bergeron expressed concern of a potential five-week quarantine in China if you test positive. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it, I mean, it should be up to the players, but I understand. Um, it's just unfortunate because getting to watch some of the best NHL players with some of the best hockey players in the world is something I certainly look forward to. And without the... NHL stars there kind of makes you wonder like I mean first world problems like I'll still watch Olympic hockey but it's just it, it's unfortunate I feel bad for the players uh who in hindsight wasted a lot of time arguing yeah with the owners to get themselves to be able to go play in the Olympics <clears throat> excuse me um but I uh, this is a million percent the right move yeah <laughs> because it's just not even the the quarantine withstanding, like it's just the worst time in the world to be bringing people from all over the world to go do something like that, assuming you're gonna face uh consequences for lack of a better term for a positive test because there's going to be positive tests, and so it's just going to throw a wrench into everything, both with the Olympics and with the n h l and that's just a headache that the n h l which is worth billion, like a billion dollars. Like this is a business, a very, very lucrative business. You have to make tough decisions. This feels like one of them. I feel bad for the players because they take this far more serious, more serious than you know the owners who don't want this to happen at all. But like, it's just, I don't know. You're completely screwing with the integrity of the entire NHL season if you go let those guys play in the Olympics. It's a bummer. I don't have a better option. It's in China too. Like it's, it's not like it's Canada where maybe you right. could, you know, there's, a, I, I don't know. I, it's just, it, it's too much of a headache and it's, they're better suited staying over here and maybe they use the next week for the NHL and the NHL PA to put their heads together and try to figure something out where it's, I don't know if it's moving games from March to February and finding pockets where there would have been that break and kind of moving games up to move games back. I don't know. You got to get creative with it. And it's, you're not going to fill it in completely in February, but if you could play four or five games, each team yeah. that at least checks those off the box in a, in, in a spot where there was literally nothing going on. Yeah. I think that because players fought so hard for this, the fact that they now seem largely amenable to calling it off kind of speaks to just like how luster. Yeah. How much of a mess it is. And I've, from everything that I've been reading, I've gotten the sense that the ones who really at this point were willing to throw caution to the wind 
were the players who this is probably their last crack at. I mean, Crosby did the feature with LeBron, and it sounds like Stamkos was a little disappointed. Now, that's not to say they weren't ultimately in favor of it, but they were vocally disappointed with how things were working out. But I do think it gets to the point where, you know, you are compromising the NHL season, which while I understand why these guys want to represent their countries and why this is so important to them, there's a level of, well, this is why you're getting paid the big money to do. And teams, I think, would have a right to be pissed if X player says, whatever, I'm going to the Olympics, goes to the Olympics and ends up testing positive and is stuck there for some you know, portion of the stretch run. Again, you never know what's going to happen, but there is a certain level of risk aversion that kind of comes into play here where I think everyone sort of realized that their hands were tied. And from the beginning, it just sounded like the Olympics were a very player-driven thing and that the teams in the league were more or less placating the players. And the fact that this is now the type of thing that they have to say, well, we need to just punt on this sort of speaks to the situation. Uh, To your pointer idea Lauren like I am fascinated by and and it doesn't sound like this is going to happen but like if they gave players the green light like if they said to players you have until the end of the year to tell us if you want to go to the Olympics or not and then they're filling out the margins of the roster uh, I'd be curious to see how many would want to go if you gave them complete choice and said you can opt out if you want but you also can go if you want Um, and, and that will cause logistical nightmares that I don't think they would even remotely consider entertaining but it it does bring up a question of well how big is the disparity between players that want to go and the ones that don't versus those that I guess are largely indifferent I don't know uh hard to believe though that we still have never seen Connor McDavid in the Olympics there are like a ton of these Austin Matthews Marner like all of them we've never seen um but that means it's probably it for Patrice Bergeron on the Olympic team. I can't, I mean, unless they push the Olympics back a year, which I'm 99.9% sure will not happen. Um, unless a 41-year-old Patrice Bergeron <laughs> decides to go, that's that's probably it for him. Uh, Tuka Rask. Tuka's a, interesting yeah, case Tuka's a very interesting case in all this, too, because there are the ideas that maybe you'd use the Olympics as uh, a way to sort of tune up and then determine if he was ready to return to the NHL. That obviously is off the table now. Um, so all sorts of mayhem, I guess this was, we don't have to go deep on this, but like the Tuca thing is kind of impacted by all this. Cause for as long as they're shutting it down, those are games that the Bruins don't have to play without Tuca Rask. Right. So if they get him back, they're ultimately getting him back for far more time than they thought now a player they will not have for a while in terms of more Bruins specific news is Jakob Zaborl. Uh, so Monday, uh, Mark Diver reported that he had heard that Zaborl got surgery. That was about it. And then the Bruins say today he had a torn ACL and he'd stumped for the season. Ten games into his season, he had actually been playing quite well. I uh, was making a push for a more advanced role, but that comes to a screeching halt. So what's the, uh, what's the overall outlook on the state of Zaborl and the Bruins' blue line now? I mean, it certainly raises a lot of questions about what they're going to do on the blue line because it's been a problem all season. Zaborl was pretty consistent on there. And Bruce Cassidy said today that he pushed people out of the lineup and was um, becoming a mainstay and really proved to be a fit on the blue line. So it's super unfortunate for the Bruins. It's obviously unfortunate for Zaborl because 
he misses the rest of the season and who knows how he's going to return when you're playing some of your best hockey and then you get an injury as devastating as a torn ACL kind of reminds me of Carson Kuhlman I think in 2019 he was playing his best hockey and he broke his leg that's right I forgot about that um hopefully he can just recover quickly and come back and be the person he was this year into next year and provide more stability on that blue line completely jacks up his development and also completely throws off like the slightest bit of development that you have on your blue line in terms of like this is the one thing that was going in the right direction in terms of this young core of especially the the defensemen that we've heard about for a few years now and and it finally sounded like you were you know breaking through with one of them uh a position that is very difficult to learn and you only get better with reps and ice time. And now he's not going to get that for a long time. Um, it's just, you know, like snake bit and doesn't even begin to be describe it for both him. Uh, or maybe snake bit is not the right way. It's, it's unlucky for him and the, for the team. It's probably more snake snake bitten for the team with the way things yeah. have gone. Um, not only just this year, but in recent years with player development, especially, uh, at that position where you still don't completely know what you have, the likes of, you know, not only your old back and but like Connor Clifton, like you right. still aren't entirely sure. So um, it's more gray area and probably roster moves that are needed at some point to kind of solidify that, that position. If you, if you want to have a season. Well, they pretty much have to make a trade now. Yeah. So like the immediate thing is John Moore will probably come up. But then you look at the organizational depth, and it's Vakaninen and Ashan, basically, unless you are committed to playing one of these late 20s veterans that you signed to be in Providence, like Aaron Ness or Tyler Lewington, which th- that's akin to when they got to Nordy off waivers last year. Like, that's a stopgap thing, but I don't think the Bruins are going too far when you're replacing Zaboro with Tyler Lewington or someone like that. Um, it just opens the door for friend of the podcast, Brady Lyle. Uh, probably I, not, but I think it, like a, a team, if you're a team with a halfway competent veteran seventh defenseman, you just like, Hey, what do you think of Jake DeBrusque right now? Like it opens the door for that type of move. Like, yeah, he, his like DeBrusque's value almost goes down because of this in a weird way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm of the opinion that you can probably get more for DeBrusque than just a seventh defenseman, but I do think it ups the urgency for them to well, need to make a Yeah, break. and I think it's like leverage and right. type, you know, your bargaining position gets affected a little bit too. Sure, and, and so I think now the Bruins are at a spot because last year, or last year, last week, uh, there was the report about Jacob Chikrin possibly being available, but that's not a you lose a borrel for the season and you're like, I'm going to put – all my chips in the middle and go get Jacob Chikrin. So you're probably looking at one of those mid-tier veteran expiring contracts, Colin Miller, um, Mark a, Stahl, something like that. Uh, Ilya Lushkin. Just, what, weaving in the uh, Jacob Chikrin? Making thing? up stuff out of thin air. Like, hey, this I, would work. You know what? I've, well, no no I've, kidding. I've hit on a few things before. Like the Blake Coleman thing, there are never any rumors about Blake Coleman. I was like, they should go and get Blake Coleman. They almost gave up a first 
forget him, and then he went to Tampa and was an impact player. So these things occasionally happen. I will occasionally Bruins hit on great Danny DeKaiser. Yeah, I the DeKaiser <laughs> drum I'm still being. It, the tough thing is that the Red Wings have to fall off a little bit because the Red Wings actually are ahead of the Bruins in terms of I'm points. Sure they would love but to in the story him. I wrote today, you better bet I shoehorned in that DeKaiser take because if you can get Detroit to retain money, uh, then you have a guy who can provide like a shred of offense that is more of your minutes eating uh, defensive minded type of guy that they they always would have benefited from but now certainly need so I think you're at the point now where you're just scouring for guys on expiring contracts um, so it's it's a weird spot I mean your season shouldn't start and finish with how Jakob Zaboro plays but at the same time you know that that is going to prove to be a worthwhile loss if for no other reason than a depth standpoint now, right? Like it used to be you're basically cycling between Riley, Clifton, Moore, and Zaboral for two spots in the lineup, and now it's Riley, Clifton, and Moore for two spots. So your depth just went right into the tank, uh, especially with the way that Zaboral was playing when all of a sudden he was pushing legitimate NHL players out of the lineup. So certainly a precarious spot. Uh, the Bruins, there's a roster freeze right now, so it's not like they can do anything. I don't even think they can call anyone up, not that they would need to, but I think the short term is they end up calling John Moore, and then they finally swing that trade for Danny DeKaiser. <laughs> All right, any anything else, guys? Nope. No more. You had a nice little epidemiology uh, take, rant, yeah. background, Mike. I- I, was, I just like I don't. That's I, the most jazzed I've seen you about pretty much anything. No, it's just while. the more I think about it, it's, it's kind of definition of insanity type of thing. Well, it's, it's heading in that direction, yeah. right? Like they might as well stop playing grab ass and just do it because if they're gonna get to the point where I do wonder though if the the two country thing kind of you know puts them in a tough spot. Yeah, well, especially because Canada's always been way more stringent yeah. on these types of things. So I don't know. It has to be it, right? Can I go back and, like... Well, especially because it changes from province to province, yeah. too, right? So there's that aspect of things, too, where things you could do in Quebec you can't necessarily do in, you know, wherever, in B.C. So it changes. Uh, very odd times when we meet again. Actually, I, I'm taking all of next week off. So when you guys maybe meet again next week, uh, we'll probably have some sort of idea of what's happening. We also might not even meet because what the I, hell will we talk about? I, next I think week? we're going to take our option next week. As, okay. As a week in the parlance, take yeah. it, head, head out to the cottages. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, sounds good to me. Um, that's Mike and Lauren. I'm Logan. This has been the Nesson Bruins Podcast. I guess we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, until next time, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Boxing Day, Happy New Year. See ya. Bye.